Hello and thank you so much for tuning into the Education Burrito, podcast that unwraps the everyday challenges in learning and teaching in education, exploring the ins and outs and highs and lows and different pedagogy approaches, enhancing student engagement amongst everything in education. My name is Q Sum and each episode I'll be joined by special guests as we unwrap the Education Burrito. Welcome back to another Education Burrito podcast episode. Today, I'm joined by someone who, well, first of all, someone who I've always wanted to interview for so long on this podcast, and I finally managed to get hold of them. But what interests me is that their work very much focuses on partnership projects in higher education, especially on diversity and inclusion, and on the effectiveness of EDI management policies in academic and non-academic settings. With a background in business and previously worked in international development in both government and non-governmental organisations in other countries, well, in her current roles, she engages in research projects focusing on pedagogies for social justice in addition to her other interests such as decolonisation, intersectionality and cross-cultural and gender studies. And if you've been following them on any social media channels, well, one thing you would know is that they love cats <laughs> and they always somewhat feature Caramella. That we will perhaps deep dive into a bit more. But anyhow, can you guess who is joining me today? It's the amazing Dr. Fatima Mutuk. Fatima, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Q, for this very warm and lively welcome. I'm delighted to be on the podcast, finally. <laughs> Great. How are you keeping? I mean, where are you joining this podcast from? Because I can't keep up with where you are these days. <laughs> I'm actually um, on the Regent Street campus, University of Westminster. So, yeah, it's very sunny where I am today and a bit warmer than usual. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, for our listeners who don't know you very much, Fatima, could you just give us an overview of what it is that you do at Westminster? Yes, absolutely. So I'm Fatima Matuk. I'm lecturer in student partnership. So um, at the um, Centre for Education and Teaching Innovation at Westminster, which basically means I have um, the big pleasure of working together with the student partnership team on various partnership projects that we have um, at the university. One of them is the Pedagogies for Social Justice project, which you mentioned, um, which focuses on decolonizing the curriculum and anti-racism in higher education. Then there is the Students as Co-Creators program, which I know you're very well aware of <laughs> and you know very well. And it's, it's basically a program where students and staff do um, research collaborations together to enhance our learning and teaching environment. And then finally, I also run our um, Student Partnership Ambassadors program, where we have a wonderful team of students from different disciplines at the university really working on a lot of student partnership activities, both on the conceptual side of how we run the programs, but also really on the implementation and publicity side of things. So that's me in a nutshell. Well, that's amazing, Fatima. I mean, you've 
listed a number of things and I've, I'm sure you do a lot of other things that you haven't quite mentioned yet. But for those listeners who don't know, well, I'm sure you pretty much know me by now for listening to the past episode. But Fatima and I actually know each other through our Westminster connection. And I must say, yes, the students co-creators um, is something that I very much loved since the start. And it's amazing to see how you've taken this on and continue to expand it with more projects and working with colleagues and students across different disciplines. So moving on to to this whole student partnership and this whole student engagement aspects, because that's what this um, this podcast is all about. How did you first got involved in student engagement or student partnerships? Well, that's actually a long, maybe not such a long story, but basically I, I joined Westminster in 2016 as a PhD student. And in the PhD years, it was really very much about my PhD. And then I started teaching at the university. But being a PhD student, I hadn't really heard a lot about the student partnership work at the university. And so the, the first time I really engaged with the work was when I, when I saw the, the role I, I can't, I actually, I currently have advertised that made me check what is happening at the university and it immediately clicked with me because I felt it reflected a lot of the thoughts and like struggles I also had as as a VL who was also a PhD student and having studied in different countries and in different educational systems I always had a lot of thoughts on the relationships between students and staff at universities but I hadn't really come across any of this, let's say, formalized work until I joined the student partnership team. So yeah, that's how I got into it. Thank you for sharing that, Fatima. That's very interesting in a way that, yes, you were doing a PhD, very much focusing on only one aspect of a, of the wider field. And and then I presume, and it's wonderful that then you saw these advertised and you went, oh, why not go and see what this is about? And do you feel just from your own perspective is that this role has given you a greater insight and experience or skills that's helped you in your PhD in terms of that community uh, and being an educator or a facilitator or to become who you are today? Definitely, yes, because while my, my PhD was about diversity and inclusion in the technology industry, I mean, it dealt with issues that are common across most sectors, right? But in, in higher education, because we have this lecturer-student relationship that's often in its, let's say, traditional format comes with a given hierarchy because in many contexts, it's about knowledge. So automatically we see lecturers as those who have the knowledge and students as those who get the knowledge. So it implies a hierarchy. In my opinion, that's not not really true. And so when I started the, the student partnership work, it hit many things in me that I was already struggling with because when I then thought of my teaching, I would think there were instances where I felt like what I'm trying to do in the classroom is not making sense and it could be maybe um, an exercise that students are not engaging with or a certain theory that I feel there is skepticism about or that the students are skeptic about basically and in all these moments I I felt quite uncertain so being a quite junior visiting lecturer 
felt like I don't have um, a lot of confidence maybe or comfort to ask students, you know, what don't you like about this? What could we change about it? And there was this pressure also, like this is the the material and the content I'm given from the module leader and I have to go through it and I have to get this across. So there was a lot of self-doubt if things are not coming across. I thought I'm not doing what I need to do. But then through student partnership work, I realized that there is a whole different way of building a relationship with students where I don't need to have all the answers and I can work with them to find out what's not working about the curriculum and that then I can change things or even if it's not in my, let's say, formal power to change things, I can take the feedback back to module leaders, course leaders, or whoever needs that feedback so that they do the changes that are needed. And I think this was one of the biggest spaces or moments I got from the student partnership work is the space within which to build relationships with students and to then go back in the institution and try to change things maybe. And I think I completely agree with what you've mentioned um, in terms of that link between being a, a student, right? And then moving on and progressing your career as a PhD student or a doctoral researcher. And then using the skills you've learned from the student partnership to then provide you that experience of what to do when you're being put in front of students as a visiting lecturer. And I think, I'm sure when you look back now, you've done it for quite a number of years. That's, of course, student partnership is the heart of any learning and teaching. And for me, I think that's one thing I've learned as well. Uh, even though I've just started my career, I'm um, much more junior than you, Fatima, but I think being involved of the, of the students' co-creators at, at Westminster and, of course, the student partnerships, giving me that insight of how students think and feel. And I don't know how you feel, but I feel like these days I'm, I'm flipping constantly flipping between this being a student and being a teacher or lecturer in the class because one moment I'm thinking, OK, so if I'm giving these students these talks, would they actually enjoy it or would they actually understand what I'm trying to convey and for them to see the application in their discipline and then the connection with other modules so it's very it's very weird i think for, for myself anyway resonating you know, and just reflecting on what you've mentioned in terms of the importance of student partnerships with staff and embedding that learning and teaching aspects through everything in education so that's quite key i think so one thing that we've touched on at the start is that you're very much focused now on the pedagogy for um for social justice do you want to just tell us a bit more about this topic on what you do, um, for example, how you got involved into it and what made you want to be researching in this area? Yes. So the Pedagogies for Social Justice project actually started in the summer of 2020 and it started as a set of reading lists on how to decolonize curricula that was organized into the disciplines taught at Westminster. And it was a student-staff collaboration where um, a number of students and staff at Westminster and beyond um, basically collected these resources um, based on some people getting in touch and asking, well, we want to be decolonizing our curricula. We don't know where to start. So that's how the idea for the reading lists came. And when I joined the team, we had the reading lists already and the, and the project was at at a stage where there was the kind of um, an open road or path of, okay, what's next? 
And so for quite a while, Kyra, Jennifer and me, we were doing a lot of reading. So weekly we'd read an article or sometimes even a whole book about decolonization in the in higher education and about partnerships and decolonizing. And we spent a lot of time thinking how to continue that work. And slowly then it started going. So we formed a steering group, also consisting of students and staff within and outside Westminster, and started thinking of what kind of tools do we want to make and what kind of things do we want to be working on. And so somehow, I, sometimes I think like magically things start just suddenly working and appearing because I tend to forget all the, the, the work that's happening behind the scenes to, um, to reach that. But then basically we now have a set of tools online, like a glossary with key terms about decolonizing and anti-racism for it's written by students for lecturers to know how to use and understand and engage with terms. Um, correctly. You'd find things like privilege or intersectionality, for example, on there. So it's an A to Z list. And um, we have a, the podcast, which is the Pedagogies for Social Justice podcast, where we interview students and staff within the UK and also partly outside the UK who are involved and in engaging with decolonial spaces in higher education. Another resource we have is a um, study group, which is DAR, that is Decolonial and Anti-Racist Study Group that um, is students-led, and it happens twice a semester at the university. So, like, really, we moved from having these reading lists to widening the space within which we have these partnership relationships built and we co-create resources together. The project has evolved a lot in the past couple of years. And and I would say that for us at Westminster, it's maybe the biggest student partnership project we have because it is all like going or working in, happening in partnership from the very beginning until now. And now we have a 12 amazing research interns on the project who are doing research on decolonial methods, like storytelling, how to use them in their disciplines. So we're hoping to continue all these things. That sounds amazing, Fatima. And I love the fact that you all started with a reading list. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I quite completely agree that reading lists, they are very generally beneficial for students. But it's not just about reading, it's the application. I think what we've just described there in terms of how you've gone from a reading list to now a, a cross-disciplinary project across the university, it's, it just sounds amazing. And it's the most perfect, perhaps a combination of bringing all these disciplines together because the social justice cuts across, well, I think, it cuts across all disciplines. You can't just work in silos in different disciplines. And I presume that your students are from different disciplines as well? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess they can share the experience of their courses, talk about the challenges, what's the good practice or the bad practice and what they can do to improve the social justice and at the same time decolonizing the curriculum. And that sounds amazing in terms of plugging your podcast. So I guess for our listeners, if you want to go away and listen to what they produce in terms of the outputs, please do go and I'll put a link into the at the end of this podcast as well. But th what are the challenges in terms of, first of all, recruiting such a massive group of students who are first of all committed 
to working with you <laughs> and with other students who not necessarily、mm-hmm. are on the same course or exceed, you know, in terms of experience or year groups. What are the challenges that you found through this project? I think, I mean, like all academics, we all have time <laughs> challenges. Like we're juggling a million meetings and things at the same time. But I think magically <laughs> we、uh, we kind of work well as a team, so things tend to、um, go smoothly. But I think like the challenge is more at the side of yeah us academics lecturers in the sense of somehow I think we need to reflect a bit on our own anxieties when it comes to feeling the need to show a clear path or to. I think what we were talking about, right, in terms of having answers or knowing all the knowledge, and I think the key is to really sit back and trust the process, and to work on building the relationship with with students, with other staff members, and within the institution in general, in a way that allows us to really just un like let things unfold and work in them together. So when we、um, like in our work, like I think part of it being an actual genuine partnership is not for us, for example, as let's say the student partnership team that's employed by the university to、um, take decisions on our own, but to actually collectively take decisions or use research methods that are decolonial. Where no one is like the sole owner of knowledge, and no one's name is on a publication, but it is all of us co-own that knowledge, and all of us learn from it together. I I know I'm shifting a bit more towards what we're doing rather than the challenges, because this is how we approach these challenges. Like part of how we dealt with the challenge of all the, these concepts that we need to grapple with in order to do this work, like what are the colonial research methods, right?、So、that is a challenge. Like understanding this in order to be working with it is is not necessarily an easy. St- So what we do is we we do these readings together. The students do research on, let's say, using storytelling within their disciplines, and they come back to us and tell us this is what it means in my discipline, and this is how it's used. Or the glossary is actually something that came out of a challenge where. Students often felt that lecturers need more, let's say, guidance on how to use certain terms, and、um, so this was an answer to a challenge in a way. So I think the challenges differ based on what we're trying to do, but the key to dealing with them is to just try to do it together, basically. No, that's wonderful, Fatima, and I think you've mentioned that、uh, the key there. I mean, it's the ownership between students, and the ownership not just for students or the member staff, but it's a co-ownership, and it belongs to everyone. And I think that's tapped into very much into the diversity and the inclusion and the equality of the EDI aspects as well. Just moving on this conversation a bit more then, and, and thinking about your own practice, because I'm sure you also teach in your in your own discipline at university. How has your then experience influenced your teaching practices, and more specifically? Engaging with students, so we engage with your own cohorts. I think this relates a bit to what I was saying earlier about the anxieties, and、um, I think in a way, working in student partnership and then taking this back to teaching in, in classrooms 
maybe a little bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable. So if I'm, if there's anything that is a struggle in, in the module or in the curriculum or in, in anything that's part of that teaching, I was often in the past, I felt quite a lot of pressure to find the answers and deliver perfectly. <laughs> And I think it took me a while to realize that it does not exist, this kind of perfect teaching delivery, but rather that it takes a lot of reflection and that is quite critical and ongoing. It's not a, like if we think of student engagement or authentic learning, all these aspects are not a thing we reach and then we stop. They are an ongoing practice. And, and I think working in the student partnership team made me kind of made me able to, to sometimes sit back and be able to say, you know, this is uncomfortable. I don't have the answers, but let's think together of what the best way is or to, in terms of the practice, let's say. I noticed myself at some point quite consciously and regularly asking students, how does this format work for you? Like I once had a smaller group, it was an evening seminar group, and I noticed that like the, the, the format of, of one exercise just wasn't reaching, like wasn't very welcome maybe. And so I asked them, do you prefer to do this differently? And they were like, oh, yes, please. And I was like, okay, how about we do it like this or like that? Or what are your thoughts? And I realized that often we have like we have space to change things. I cannot suddenly change assessment criteria or, you know, learning outcomes. Not not maybe on that level. They would need a more formal process to be changed. But even on the smallest level, we can there is always a space to change things in a way that is more of a partnership with students rather than me being a lecturer who gives them knowledge and leaves the room. And I think if, if I would put it in one learning point that I learned, then it is, I think, the conscious decision or commitment to use that space and to engage with it. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Fatima. So, but how do you actually engage your students with the pedagogy for social justice in your classes? I mean, how do you embed them? Oh, that's what I want to know. Yes, that's uh, probably one of the biggest questions that personally I constantly uh, reflect on or also a question I think we get a lot. So I think there is different ways for us all to engage students. Um, with any sort of resource. I think for me personally, I try to just make students aware really of, of the opportunities, of the options to join the, the team as a research intern. And I try to communicate with them also like that we can have conversations about what is working or not working, which is part of establishing like socially just learning and teaching spaces. So it's a mix of things, really. There is no, I'm afraid there is no clear cut answer to it, really. It's not like a specific thing I do as much as trying to build relationships in a specific way um, that is decolonial and ethical and trying to be open and how we can change them or also trying to encourage people to engage with the resources. And I think one of the key challenges maybe is, or not challenges, but one of the key points we always need to um, to say is that, so in order to be decolonizing or to be working towards social justice, there isn't really a, a very strict to-do list. 
that I could tell people, oh yeah, do this and this and this, and then you'll be decolonizing. But rather it is, it takes a lot of self-reflection and engaging with resources, whether these resources or others. And then to think, okay, what applies to my discipline and what applies to my role or the modules that I teach and what is relevant for students in the classroom. So it, and each of these questions, the answer to it, will bring part of the answer, but not all the answer. So yeah, maybe maybe that's a more complicated answer <laughs> than the question. But this is this is kinda how it works in my opinion. So basically you're try you're still trying to find the answer to this endless question that's gonna go on to who knows when. In a way, yes, because the you know, like decolonizing universities have been around in a world where colonialism was happening so we don't really have an actual idea of what is a decolonized university so it's something that we're working towards no no place is fully inclusive we are all like working towards being more and more and more inclusive but um, if i was to say like so what do you do to be inclusive there are practices about accessibility of um, material and of spaces but then there's a million other things we need to be doing so i think like the answer is not yeah it's not simple definitely and, there, and it's not fully formed yet hmm. that's very interesting there's a, a following question to that then mm -hmm. how do you think your work in social justice will evolve in the years to come say in higher education just give a short answer would be <laughs> be fine at this stage <laughs> i don't know i hope that this um space that we've created that is it's filled with joy really it's a very joyous space to be in so i hope that this space continues to grow whether it's in the form of working with more students or in more disciplines or collaborating with more people but I, I hope it continues to grow and to shape and unfold organically. Okay. Um, so many people who might be listening to this podcast might be feeling less confident in starting, for example, student partnerships or actually social justice, embedding that into their discipline. What would you say would be Fatima's top tip to get this going in their own institution or in their own roles? Mm -hmm. Just one. Yes. <laughs> I would say at the beginning and thinking where to start, I would say start small and practical. So think of one thing and it can be a tiny detail in one of the modules or in the curriculum in one form or another. And think of one small thing you'd like to change and do that together with students. So if you're a lecturer, talk to some students and ask them, I'd like to change this. What do you think if you're students and you feel like there's this one thing that needs to be changed or can be evolved. Talk to a lecturer and say, you know, we're a bit unhappy with this one thing. Can we work on changing it together? And then be open to each other's perspectives and start at, at that small thing and then reflect on how it went and like, repeat and grow. <laughs> that's, that's very good. And I think that's a simple tip and actually a very effective tip that could be embedded in anything at all and I think just talking to other people is a good start isn't it if we were to change things we can't change things unless we understand what the problems are mm -hmm. and to understand the problems you need to talk to people right <laughs> to have that community and talk to people and discuss that so I think and I would be hopefully following Fatima's top tip in the near future again 
So let's end this episode with a fun part, Fatima. I didn't tell you this before, so I didn't want to prepare you too much. But we're going to have to have a quick short firing round for our listeners and myself to know you a bit more. Mm-hmm. These are short questions so all you need is just give me a short answer with no explanation unless you really want to are you ready yes great question one what would be your favorite superpower uh teleportation tea or coffee coffee do you prefer lego or play-doh (laughs) play-doh for those for those who doesn't know fatima very well contact her and you'll find out more (laughs) next question if you're to pick one learning or teaching platform or tool, what would it be? Reflection. Oh, interesting. What do you do to recharge your energy after a long, stressful day of work? Caramella cuddles. <laughs> your favourite movie? Harry Potter series. Which one specifically? Um, the seventh, where everything comes together. If you're to pick one country to live in, where would it be? Anything with a beach. Sinai, maybe. So Egypt is fine. Yeah. Vegan cheesecake or normal cheesecake? <laughs> normal cheesecake. <laughs> uh, yeah, for, this li- for those listeners, we had this um, conversation, I mean discussion last year about this type of cheesecake we encountered. But anyhow, we move on. We know that you're a cat lover, but if cats are not an option, what would it be your alternative animal to have? An owl. An owl in your house? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Other than your phone, your laptop, or any tablet or uh, technology devices, what would be the one best thing to carry around to show students or colleagues in corridors? A Play-Doh model. <laughs> Duh, of course. <laughs> Three words to describe yourself as an educator. Oh, that's a hard one. Reflection, communication, openness. What is your hidden talent? I say very bad, bad jokes. <laughs> okay. What is the weirdest thing you ever eaten? Vegan cheesecake. That was unidentifiable. <laughs> Vegan cheesecake. All right. Okay. What's your favorite? <laughs> <I don't- laughs> yes. What is your favorite music genre? Mahraganot, which Arab um, listeners will understand. It's kind of like Arabic hip hop of sorts. That's how I would. What would be your alternative career that you secretly wish you had but never actually pursued? Um, psychologist. Okay, but you're still academic. <laughs> In academic? <laughs> okay, great. Who is or are your favourite learning and teaching heroes? There's so many, but I'm, uh, I'm very much uh, touched by Diane Bell's work. Great. And finally, because our podcast is called the education burrito what's your favorite burrito fillings well it's gotta be the chicken burrito that has a bit of everything on it like <laughs> what like the salsa the guacamole the, or do, is it about the education burrito or an actual burrito just a normal burrito <laughs> okay. you got me confused and like see that's what i mean i'm getting anxious here um yeah like the rice the, the chicken some beans um, salad leaves and the salsa and it needs to be very spicy great i'm sure i'll i'll write that down next time hopefully i'll give you one of those if i ever see you again (laughs) (laughs) and i'll get you some cheesecake in return (laughs) well that's all we have time for this episode if our listeners want to find out more about what you do fatima how can they do so they can reach out to me on my just my email address they'll find it online 
and I'm happy to be in touch with anyone. Great. A massive thank you again to you, Dr. Fatima Matug, for sharing with us your work in pedagogy of social justice and in student partnership in higher education. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and tuning into the Education Burrito. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening on and be sure to like it and share it on social media, tagging us at the hashtag the Education Burrito. If you have enjoyed our chat today and fancy coming onto the show, no matter as a student or member of staff, do drop us a message as we unwrap learning and teaching in the Education Burrito.